it's really easy when you get started to think like, you know, this is going to be interesting to everyone. And it isn't, uh, especially if you niche down. So understanding who you want, not who you think you can get, but who you want as a listener, I think is critically important. And, and as you extend that thought, then ask the question, how do you add real value? Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hi, Pod Pals. I am so glad you are here with me today because you might just live a little longer after this episode. And that is because my guest today is Steve Katasi. Steve is the host of Adap Nation podcast, an honest and raw British podcast focused on helping you practically improve and optimize your health, body, and mind inside and out. And in addition to all that, he is going to help us podcast smarter today. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Really excited about being on the show today. Well, I'm excited to have you. You don't know this, but I am obsessed with um, health and fitness. You wouldn't know it necessarily by looking at me, but I do work out a lot and I try to stay on top of, you know, the rate, the latest nutrition research and exercise theories and all of that. And I know there's a lot of hype and misinformation and things are constantly being debunked. So I love that you are actually really staying on top of that at a much deeper level than I ever could. So, and I want to get into that. But first, um, I always ask my guests for their podcast confession. So something behind the scenes, a mistake or an embarrassing thing that you failed at as a podcaster. And this is just so that we can all relate to you before you tell us all the good stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, I've got many. <laughs> um, Me I too. Will, <laughs> um, I've been going for a year and a half or just under that. So there's been many mistakes and I'm still making them. Um, but I'd say probably the, the biggest mistake was probably the first 20 or so episodes, almost up to about 30, the audio quality was rubbish. Now, I knew it wasn't great. I just didn't know how to fix it. Um, and then I had a really good friend of mine listen to one of my episodes and he said to me, Steve, the, you know, the discussion's great, but if I'm honest, you're just not, you're not, you're not there. I'm, I don't feel you're with me. I feel like, you know, you're at the end of a telephone and it just feels odd. And he kind of pushed and pr um, prodded me to kind of work out what was going on. And it turned out out of everything, and I did change everything. Uh, but the main problem was I had EMF interference, so electromagnetic interference with the cable <laughs> from my mic into the mixer and it was connected to it was close to another cable that were just basically throwing it off so i had a hiss for 30 episodes it sounded rubbish so that's probably my biggest fail oh my gosh and it's sort of a, a good news bad news like it's great that you figured out what was going on but it's so frustrating to realize it was something so easy to fix all along just move the cable. <laughs> just move the cable. Come on, Steve, just move that cable. <laughs> no, we've, we've all been there. We've all had something like that that is 
so frustrating and, you know, seemingly insurmountable just to find out that it was just a simple fix. So, well, good. Uh, well, I've listened to your podcast and I actually listened to an early episode, I think episode two. And then I, I listened to your most recent episode. So I did notice the difference in the sound quality. So good job on improving along the way. Love it. So I'm wondering if you could share with us um, when, well, we, you told us when, but um, how, why did you start your podcast? What inspired you to do a podcast? So starting a podcast wasn't really the idea. The idea was to move out of a corporate career. So I've been selling IT software for 12 to 15 years. Been really good at it um, and good money. But if I'm honest, I was good at it and I enjoyed it because I was good at it. But I wasn't passionate about it. And I'd been asking myself for ages, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And finally, after three years of asking that question, I plucked up the courage and had an idea, which was really to lean in on a passion. And the passion was all things self-optimization as it relates to my health, my nutrition, my wellness, and my mindset. And I collected so much knowledge over the years. And I thought now is time to try and bring that knowledge. And as I learn, bring it to people that to want to you know, be their best. So the podcast was a way to express that. You know, I can write articles, I can put stuff out on social media, but I love to, love to talk. And I love to explore. And I love to ask questions. And I'm very curious. So I knew I wanted to do a podcast and I thought it'd be a great extension and perhaps even a central pillar to the brand adaptation. I, I really like that. And I'm glad that I'm I'm talking to you today because I've encountered a lot of podcasters um, the past few years that are um, do have a passion that they're turning into a business and podcasting seems like a natural extension to um, communicate their brand to market and share their knowledge um, and from looking at your website looking at your business holistically um, it seems like the podcast just fits so nicely into all the content and um, that you're putting out there. Your your website is so beautiful and you share so much information. Like you are a content machine, uh, videos, blog posts, podcasts, you name it. And your show notes are so beautifully done. They're some of the most thorough show notes I've seen. So Maybe. I'm, it's, that's all good stuff. Um, yeah, those are, those are huge compliments for sure. But I am also a curious person and I want to know how you accomplish that. Like how, what came first? Did the, the business came first and then the podcast because you're a relatively new business and podcast. So it almost seems like everything kind of happened at once in this big storm of activity. It, it absolutely did. I mean, I'm, I'm known for once I commit to something going all in and being a bit obsessive. So <laughs> my wife would <laughs> really attest to that. Um, I came up with the idea of at least launching into something related to the health and fitness space uh, back end of 2017. Um, on the 1st of January, I had a discussion with one of the leading podcasters in this space. He was gracious enough to give me his New Year's Day whilst he was in Germany. 
um, just to have a chat and discuss, you know, the space. And from that moment on, I knew that we were going to create a business. It was going to be podcast. It was going to be media across the across the bases, and it will be an online only service. And then we'll monetize that once I get my, you know, my feet under the table and I can understand really what it is I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and I can zero in on the things that people want. So it was it was out of the gate going to be a business. And I just feel that podcasting is such a great uncensored platform to explore and come up with new ideas and work through life. Like life's complicated. Life is just a mess for everyone, right? We're all trying to work out stuff, mm -hmm. whether life purpose, whether it's losing weight, whether it's, you know, getting better at any getting better at something. And I just feel that, you know, TV, uh, radio, all, all the platforms, YouTube, they, they offer you something, but they're, they're so censored and they're so reliant on you having just a few moments of time. Whereas a podcast, if you do it well, people are willing to listen for an hour, hour and a half, even two hours, if the discussion's great and they can stop and start it in, in line with their life. And I just felt that worked for me and I wanted to be part of that. I absolutely agree with you. That's it's so true. It's it is one of the few places where you can still produce a long format sort of medium. So um, you're right that the, the um, there's so much freedom in that, and you it gives you you know so much uh, room to to explore, share your knowledge, um, and and really go deep. Um, onto a subject, and I, I got the impression that that that's really what you do with your podcast. Like you have some topics that I was like, "Wow, this is a really um, complex topic," and you took you know a couple of episodes to cover it with an expert. And I was like, "Oh, you know, he really got into it." Like if you listen to both of these these episodes, you're going to come away with like some great knowledge. Like get get your paper and pen out because it's sort of uh the type of information where you'd want to take notes so that that was that was great and i imagine it it really does help build your your influence in that space i i think it's a blessing and a curse jennifer i'm <laughs> very very curious and i like to talk so that combination means that my com my conversations are going to long sorry they're going to last a long time <laughs> and there's no two ways <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's always going to be another question from me. There's always going to be something thought-provoking thought on the tip of my tongue that I can't help but ask. But I love asking questions. I think I ask questions that people like answering. And I'm happy. I, you, know, I, you know, my job is running Adapt Nation. And if a podcast ends up running two hours, it runs two hours. Uh, I, I purposely allow as much time as necessary to have the conversation a guest wants to have. And um. I think for the most part, people enjoy it. Now, I would say in the UK, people haven't got on to this idea of podcasts and how you would consume them. You know, I get a lot of feedback saying it's still too long and, you know, I haven't got an hour and a half. But the idea is you don't need an hour and a half. You just need time, um, whether it's walking a dog, whether it's on the bus, on the train, in the car, time when you're not doing anything else, where you can just dip in and dip out and start and stop. And that's definitely how I listen to podcasts. I never listen to anything straight unless I just have the time. Um, so I think people are turning around to this idea that I can dip into long form content and just exit it and go back when I'm ready again. 
And um, I, I just find it a fascinating way to really explore subjects that can make a difference to people's lives. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, it's a tremendous hurdle for podcasters to uh, communicate to new listeners that it's not like terrestrial radio where you are just beholden to that time slot that the you know the radio station was playing the program you wanted to listen to. You can you do have the that ability to just stop and come back to it when it's convenient for you. It really is, a, you know, a beautiful thing. But um, but we've had you know we've been so limited for so long with traditional media that. I think it's it's hard for us to to change that change our brain over to realizing that we have a lot more control now. I, I would say podcasts are like reading books. You know, the mm-hmm. point in terms of the value. I mean, there's so many amazing books out there that you know they're, they're people's lives lives work. They put in their heart and soul into expressing what they've learned to you in a few hundred pages. And I feel podcasts are very similar, or they can be, um, but just like a book, you won't read it in one sitting, very seldom. You're going to dip in and out, right? You're going to read an hour in the morning, yep. or an hour in the morning, half an hour at night. And I feel podcasts should be treated the same way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So since you mentioned that you have a you know rather long podcast at times, what does your editing process look like for you? A ball lake. <laughs> Jennifer that's that's the area that I need you know if I think about going forward that's one area that I need to I need to get my head around I'm gonna have to outsource the post prod whilst it's not particularly complicated and I've learned the hard way through no no formal teaching just like you know trying to work out as I go along I feel I'm adequate at post prod but it just takes a long time you know especially if you're doing it yeah phone and you're doing it over Skype, which I do. I record the separate channels, which is good, but you know, there's just noise. People moving constantly. They don't realize it, but the mics pick up everything. So cutting out all those bits of noise, making sure that EQ is right, making sure compression and gain is spot on, and wrapping it all together with your jingles and your summaries, it just takes a long time. Then you do your show notes, then I put it on a website. Oh, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm stressing just thinking about the next few I need to do. <laughs> I was going to say, I need a nap just after you ex- explained all those steps. You're, you're scaring off any future podcasters out there, by the way. Now, now it's, it's, in, it's made more difficult because I do it over the phone. I use Skype. Um, they're long form, and I like to do good show notes. And I have a high bar in terms of quality, sound quality. If any of those things changed, it'd be a lot easier. If it was a 15-minute monologue, wow, you can get that up in minutes, I think, generally. Um, but it's the fact you're having to match and engage with other people's voices and make sure it works with yours um, and it sounds right to the listener. It just takes a bit of time. Plus, I think I'm very inefficient at doing it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that if you if you can outsource it, you probably should, unless you really enjoy doing it, which most people don't. <laughs> So, okay. um, so, yeah, so now that you're, let's see, what episode you're on your, is it 70th episode? So episode 75 and we've got 75 four or five in the bank. So yeah. So one okay. week over the last year and a half or so. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So how do you, how would you say it's going and how are you gauging your success? So I would say it 
is going okay. Um, if if all my business was measured on was the relative lish- listenership of the podcast, let's say we have a problem um, because in its own right, there's there's no short-term objective of monetizing it and the listenership isn't large enough. I mean, to give you a sense, uh, we're almost touching 25,000 downloads um, and a big chunk of that actually occurred in 2019. So 2018 was after the first flurry of curiosity from friends and family and people that I've worked with, it just kind of just kind of went through the paces of just gradual increase, but nothing, just, just purely linear. And then we got into 2019, a few things happened, I'll describe those in a second, but it has skyrocketed relative to the performance of 2018. It really has seen an exponential cr- curve, which is fantastic. Um, so I would say now, as I get a litmus test on the podcast, I feel I know what I'm doing. I enjoy it. I'm getting great guests. Um, the numbers keep increasing on a compounding basis. And I'm using the podcast as a product. And that's probably different from how other people use podcasts. I'm actually using the episodes to feature in a paid for service um, that I can describe if you want to. But it's all coming together quite Absolutely. nicely. But it is. It is slow and, um, hey, I could have hundreds of thousands of downloads by now and some would have already. So I'm sure people can go faster than we've seen. Okay, so you left us with a couple of cliffhangers there. Um, the first was you mentioned there were a few things that contributed to your your downloads skyrocketing in 2019. So I want to hit that that cliffhanger first. The second cliffhanger was... Uh, your podcast as a product, and I want to—I want you to delve into that as a paid product. But let's go for the the skyrocketing components first. I'll put it down to a couple of things. Firstly, Podbean. So you guys helped me out fantastically uh, between Shannon and yourself. Uh, you got us featured in the Podbean app, mm-hmm. and that had a really, really big impact on followers. Prior to doing that, I had no followers, literally none, not three or four. <laughs> and I had no no idea that that was important um, because I just assumed that Apple Podcast app is where you should focus, albeit you have no visibility. So I didn't I didn't think there was importance to that. But now I see that you know we're almost at two thousand followers. That has made a difference, a big difference. Secondly, mm-hmm. being featured for several weeks um, within the Podbean app gave a big, big boost to overall downloads, big boost. And, and it coincided with my confidence to reach out to some big names and for those big names to not only participate, but then use their network effect of um, promoting the episodes. And those that trifecta of things made a huge difference, huge difference. I think we went into the end of 2018 something like i don't know things like 7000 downloads and over the course of 4 months we've gone from 7000 to 25000 and the the compounding rate continues to kind of show that lovely kind of upward hockey stick curve that's great. I, I think the momentum is so important and I know there might be some listeners out there that want to know how 
they can be featured on Podbean. We get asked occasionally, uh, quite often actually, but not as often as I would expect to be asked. So if you want to be featured on Podbean, it's something that we offer to all of our podcasts to host with us. Uh, You just have to have a paid account and 10 published episodes. And you can email, I'll give you the email now, people, uh, smartin at podbean.com. Shannon will work with you to get you on our feature schedule. Um, As Steve just uh, told you, it is a great boost. Um, I recommend timing it maybe if you can with something special, whether it's a a milestone episode or an announcement. Uh, We do get typically get booked out for features a few months in advance. So it might be a little tricky to plan, um, but Shannon will certainly work with you. And uh, yeah, we we love doing it because discoverability is always an issue for independent podcasters. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of voices out there and we and we love that. You can't have too many podcasts as far as I'm concerned or books, as you mentioned. But uh, it's still sometimes hard to stand out in the crowd. So it's something that we can offer uh, that um, we enjoy doing because we like to champion the independent podcaster and we like to see them have success. And, um, you know, we can't always play a huge part in that. But I'm so glad that 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 helped you as much as it did, Uh, along with getting those stellar guests. That's always that's always a good thing. Yes, yeah, so I was so, tapping, okay, so, tapping into people that had 600,000 or so followers, even a couple of million followers. And it's, not, it's, one, it's one thing getting a good guest with a lot of followers. It's another thing not asking them to do the right things <laughs> that will actually get um, traffic over to your website and or your, um, your podcast. And not all of them will. So they'll come on and they'll do mm-hmm. service, put a story on on their Instagram feed. But others will put you onto their email address list, onto their blog, stick a proper post on Instagram, maybe put you on Facebook. And the guys that done that made a huge difference. So I highly recommend first finding people that are interesting to have decent following and three are willing to promote the episode afterwards. Well, Steve, there is another cliffhanger again. So, so, t- so, so this is something that that podcasters do have do do struggle with sometimes is that they book their big guests and they're so excited and they think it's going to make a huge impact on the success of their show and their downloads and then it ends up flopping because the big guest doesn't have an incentive to necessarily promote that episode um so tell me do you have any tips or tricks to share with podcasters on how you can encourage these influential guests to actually share the episode and get your name out there? Yeah. Well, um, I would say first and foremost, you probably want to listen to any other podcast where that individual has been on. So if they're already a podcast host, of course, you've got a lot to work with. But if they're just someone who comes on as guests, I would look to see if they've spoken previously and I would listen to a couple of episodes. I think what's really important is to get your guests out of the the humdrum, repeated fashion of giving their intro, talking about their business, talking about their kind of their main story, and letting them go on autopilot. Because as soon as they do that, this is just a another podcast, and they're hoping your network is going to add benefit to them, not the other way around. 
as soon as you have a discussion where they feel it was thought provoking, that they covered something new, that their audience is going to learn something fresh and exciting or something, a different perspective on their personality or their struggles, all of a sudden now they're incentivized to share that message because they look good. You've made them look good. There's something interesting they've spoken about. They want people to hear it. They've enjoyed the banter. So I think that, you know, the, the on mic piece is massive. And you do that through planning, understanding your guests, not asking the same questions they've always had, and trying to take it in different directions where they have to pause and think and give elegant answers. And then I think the second thing is, is giving them, make it easy for them, you know, create assets, send assets to them, create a story, give them the stories that they can put up, give them the links to your website show notes, give them everything. So they just have to press a couple of buttons if they're motivated. And bang, you've got an Instagram feed going to 600,000 people. But you've got to make it easy for them because these people get inundated with inbound inquiries and Instagram messages and just comments to respond to. So you've got to make it easy. I think that's really excellent advice. When you're making your, uh, like your creative assets to give them the social media assets, do you have a tool that you use? No, no. I mean, I did dabble with doing the kind of video visuals. So I don't do video, mm-hmm. I only do audio. But you know, when you have the the, the subtitled video of, of just captioned discussion, I was doing that, but I was using Final Cut and it was, it was, okay. it was incredibly long. So I don't have a tool. I know there are tools out there, but if I'm honest, I didn't see fantastic engagement for the time and effort it took to put those captioned videos together. Instead, right. I just go, I kind of follow a standard format. I make sure I get a good image from the, from the guest. I, I do a nice image for both Instagram and the website and Facebook. I make sure I've got good show notes. I do a story which just shows the, the show notes in flow so that people can see what the show notes are. And I just give them that. And that typically oh, okay. is is elegant, it's clean, it's consistent. Everyone who engages with me gets the same assets every time. Um, and I think that's enough. But if I had more time, I would also do the, the kind of the video with clip things because I think they're cool. They just take too long. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. They, they do take some time. So even with the, with the visuals, do you use something like Canva to make the template? <laughs> no, I just use PowerPoint. Uh, I'm pretty good oh, okay. with PowerPoint and stuff like that. So I just use standard desktop tools. Cool. Gotcha. Okay. Those are, that was all such good advice. And I think it's though, it's that extra step or steps in your case that I think make all the difference. I mean, like you said, you're just, you're removing all the friction, you know, by making it so easy and by you make them look good. If you make your guests look good, they're going to be much more inclined, I think, to share the content and they're going to be proud and want to share the episode that they're on. So that's such good advice. All right. So I don't, I didn't forget about your other cliffhanger. Um, you mentioned that you use your podcast is a product. So tell me what you meant by that and tell me about the mon- any sort of monetization aspect that goes along with that. Okay. Okay. So I'm currently in the phrase of finalizing my first kind of monetization within Adapt Nation. We've gone slow because I wanted to learn 
what I can do within this business. I had the, the the blessing of not needing to rush to make money. So we wanted to learn, can I do the job? Can I be effective? What's my offering? Put enough content out there. So like when people like you go to the website, you feel there's something there. It's a real business. And that's taken time, a lot of time and effort. But the product that's going to be coming out is effectively a self-optimization journey. So it's a 100-day program, um, mostly delivered via email, which puts together the wisdom that I've accumulated through the podcast, through adaptation, and through my life, uh, obsessed about self-optimization into, think about it, drip feed in a book, but it's more powerful than a book because we've got links to the podcast, we've got links to the articles, uh, the, the emails have to be concise enough to be read, it needs to be self-paced, so it's got a really elegant, I think unique, one-of-a-kind, holistic um, kind of journey so it's not just about nutrition or losing weight it's everything it's mindset it's being your best it's called the be your best self-optimization journey and the podcast the way i just why i'm describing the podcast as the product is it absolutely is whilst the podcast is freely available and i'm never going to put any paywalls in front of it accessing content i think is is a challenge for everyone like you know, Google has every answer you could ever want, <laughs> but getting it isn't always straightforward. You go to my website, we've got 400 posts. Getting to the stuff that matters for you right here, right now, isn't always going to be straightforward. You don't know what you're looking for because you don't know what you need. So the product really is a, a very deliberate journey of building upon layers of information starting basic and layering on more complex topics. And I'm using the product and then the podcast and the articles and everything else that comes with the business as a way to express uh, that information to the client. And I think, I think it's, I've, I've seen one other product that does something similar to this in terms of the concept of using podcasts as part of a product. And it was um, a book called Game Changers by Dave Asprey, who runs a very popular um podcast called bulletproof radio and it was great i was reading through his book and he had he had links to various episodes where he's spoken about uh, certain things to subject matter experts and that was a great extension because he could never have covered off all the detail that um a reader wants to hear because he was covering off so much and i'm going to be doing something similar but for a platform i email which i think is going to be more consumable and follows someone through a journey versus just a book that you can read in a few days Wow, that's really interesting. I I love that. You, did you say it was a hundred days? Yep, yeah, it's it's a hundred day program. It comes with like a um, a scorecard, a scorecard that has up to a hundred points. So it's a hundred points. It's hundred days. Be your best. It's you know there's some implicit and explicit uh, messages there, but the idea is we take someone wherever they're you know a, you know a stellar performer already, or someone who's just come out of school and just wants to, a jump start on understanding not just life, but how to operate across all the things that matter, you know, your body, your wellness, your nutrition, exercise, how to use your body, your mindset, how to get after business and doing that in a way which is not too much too soon. And the podcast play a fantastic part in that, that kind of process. This all seems like it's really ripe for community. So can you tell me um what you've done if anything like to build a community or is community building 
an important part of your ecosystem? So I'm not doing a great job at the moment, if I'm honest, Jennifer. I've got got a, a Facebook page. Within that page, we've got a community. It's about 400 strong at the moment. So it's not tiny, but nonetheless, it's not big either. Mm -hmm. uh, that is like an open community, but we're also going to create a be your best mastermind group as well, which is going to be for the paid for customers. Um, but community is important. We try and drive that through Instagram, through engagement, through that engagement, through mm -hmm. Facebook, obviously through the community and Facebook. Um, and it's, it's trying to encourage speaking to people, right? Speaking to guests and people that can expose adaptation to a wider group of people. But I think there's so much more that can be done around community. There's a lot more I still need to get my head around. Yeah, I was I I was going to say I I could just picture a thriving Facebook group, both, you know, paid and not paid or one or the other. I think uh this is like such great information and a a topic that I know people are these topics people are really passionate about and they're so interesting. If you, if you're into that self-optimization uh world, it's a never-ending resource of fascinating topics. The, the the challenge I've got, Jennifer, if I'm honest, is that you know people go go to social media for education or entertainment, and the people that you need to help often go for education. <laughs> so you want to educate them, but they want to be entertained, and that's a challenge for me: is finding a way mm -hmm. to get to people that need help but don't want to take the time to consume anything that looks like information, anything that requires thought. I'm not saying everyone's lazy. I'm just saying it's, there's, there's a tendency on Facebook and Instagram to not really have to do too much work on there, right? It's a, it's a mm -hmm. distraction, not necessarily work. It should, it's not necessarily seen as a education platform, albeit I think all of them are, and they can be used for that purpose, but you narrow your audience, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because because people, particularly on Instagram, they're scrolling, 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 and those Instagram stories they're short for a reason because you're just you know thumbing through um, you know lots of pieces of content at once, and we're just sort of adapting ourselves to absorbing information so quickly. So yeah, I can appreciate that that would be a challenge <laughs> for sure. Okay, so I wanted to know how you market your show. So uh, it's not overly sophisticated at the moment, if I'm honest. So the majority of any exploration or discovery of this show has come through the Insta uh, so Instagram and Facebook parts of the business. So we put them out there. We do we do boost posts. Uh, so we do. So I, I spend quite a bit of money on those two platforms on a monthly basis, just getting stuff out there, widening the net, so to speak. On top of that, obviously, we, we, we got your kind support. I'm, <laughs> I'm also considering via Podbean pod ads, and I was uh, speaking uh -huh. to about that only earlier this week. So that might be an opportunity for us to basically um, drop in uh, small adverts of adaptation into other similar podcasts, people that may be interested in mm -hmm. here. So that's one avenue. But beyond that, uh, I'm... I'm open to ideas. I don't know if there's something obvious that we're missing, uh, but we could be more effective. And uh, as you say, there's just so many 
so many podcasts and so much information all vying for people's attention. We haven't found the perfect killer formula that's just kind of skyrocketed in its own right, but everything just seems to be adding some value. I mean, on top of that, we, we, we do do Google SEO. So, you know, we are doing mm-hmm. paid for ads on Google, but that's really for the brand. And as part yeah. of brand, we've got the show notes of the podcast on the website. So people find us through that way as well. Yeah, you know, and there, and all I could say really is, you know, don't be discouraged because there really is no magic marketing formula. I mean, it really is just a lot of consistency and continually, you know, trying to engage and help on social and being social on social media. And you're still, you know, a very young podcast and a young business. So I think just uh, looking at all that you've accomplished in such a relatively short period of time is really impressive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, feel bad or be discouraged about that progress at all. Um, I was curious. So you mentioned, you know, the revenue stream with the the product of the the um, the self optimization, the hundred days um, uh, product. Mm-hmm. Do you have what is? I, I'm just curious as a business model. Do you have other products that you can talk about that might be coming down the the pike? Like, are we talking books or courses? Or I know you said everything was going to be online. So I was just wondering how how you envision like your next five years. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, right? Everyone wants to capitalize on this online opportunity. And it, it would be wrong of me to say that I didn't jump into this naive thinking, oh yeah, me too, me too. I want to do that and I don't want to be part of the corporate gig anymore. Um, in pursuing this business over the last year and a bit, it's clear that that isn't going to come easy. Now, luckily enough, I'm willing to work hard and you know, I think I've got relatively good skills around this, but it isn't straightforward. In terms of monetization, this is what it looks like today. We currently are not generating any cash. And the reason for mm-hmm. that is that I've decided to effectively cannibalize the current marketplace I'm joining. So if you think about what we're producing, we're producing a lot of um, workout content and we're producing a lot of nutrition content, both of which mm-hmm. have had the, the benefit of being sold via ebooks and books for donkey's years. You know, people selling ebooks and making 20, 40, 50 bucks a pop and doing that across the masses. Problem is, these don't really add much value in their own right. Um, and I think the time has come to call BS on people spending money on things that are too isolated, that aren't looking at the bigger picture, and they end up getting no results. So we've deliberately taken things that people pay for and we've made them free. Because I believe, just like Skype did it with telcos, and you know, you look across business. People offering stuff free that used to be paid for. I believe the fitness industry needs a jolt of that. So we've decided up front that we're going to create great products, but they're going to be free. But how we will monetize, well, here's the streams currently. There will probably be some affiliate programs. The first one's actually launching next week. But I'm really keen with any affiliate codes or anything that we use of our guests to make sure that they are not restricting our message, not restricting our business, not restricting the direction that we want to go. So very selective around that. And I don't think that'll be a significant money earner. Two, and most importantly, is this program. This will be the first product, this uh, self-optimization journey 
where we can really turn on the monetization tab and point everyone who's been asking a question like, how do I support you? How do I get more? How do I, how do I get more value via a paid for service? And then outside of that, uh, I, you kind of like called my cards. I, we'd love, I'd love to do a book. Um, this journey alone is, is uh, I think, the, the starter of a book. And I believe that there, there will be other opportunities along the way. Massive fan of networking, huge fan of networking. Every guest I keep in touch with long after the podcast, I'm trying to engage with this space to see where there could be collaborations uh, from a monetary perspective. I've got no concern. If I, if I add enough value, I will get paid appropriately for that value. So upfront, most importantly, is follow my passion, add tons of value, and then build monetization strategies, strategies off the back of that versus saying, I need money, I need money now. What can I sell? I like it. I like how well thought out it is. I'm, in, I'm very, very impressed. Right. I, just, uh, I just joined. I'm, my membership is pending. But I just joined the Adapt Nation community oh, on Facebook. Good on so you. So I found your I found your group. It's closed, so I have to be vetted. Uh, but there's also an Adapt Nation uh, Facebook page, uh, which has quite a few followers. So I'm going to go ahead and 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 like that. Right, I just did that. So yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm being productive while we're uh, recording this podcast. Right. <laughs> um, so I. Um, if you're talking to a podcaster out there somewhere in the universe that is getting started, what would be the one piece of advice that you would like to share? Um, I would say you've got to understand who you want as listeners. It's really easy when you get started to think like, you know, this is going to be interesting to everyone. And it isn't, especially if you niche down. So understanding who you want, not who you think you can get, but who you want as a listener, I think is critically important. And, and as you extend that thought, then ask the question, how do you add real value? People talk about adding value all the time, but it's almost lost its value. I mean, yeah. adding real, real value. You know, time is so precious. Attention is so scarce. And if you're going to put a production together and you want people to listen to it, especially if it's long form, you've got to keep asking a question, which is how are they going to receive more value than the time they spent listening to me? And I don't want to just entertain them and then be part of banter, but how do they get something that they can take away? So every podcast I do is like, what are the takeaways? What are the practical applications I hope people can take from this? Now, they might be spelled out explicitly, but even if they're implicit, I need to make sure they're within the discussion. So that's it for me. Like, Understand who you want as a listener. Make sure you add lots of value and make sure that equation of time and attention matches up with the value that you're going to offer. And it's got to be, it's got to be fueled by passion and incredible curiosity. As a host, if you're not passionate about your subject, and if you're not curious about your guests and your topics, I, I just don't think it will be compelling enough. Because for me personally, I like to explore through listening. So I want to hear that the host is exploring too. And they don't have all the answers. They're not dictating 
all the things I should do, but they're trying to work it out. Uh, and they're bringing on people to try and work out those, the, those topics, whatever they are. I mean, it could be entertainment. It doesn't matter what it is, but being curious and being incredibly passionate about what you're talking about and ensuring you add value. That's what I would say to myself if, uh, if I could rewind the clock and speak to myself on January 1st, 2018. Just make sure you add value. Wow, that that was amazing. I I love all of that advice. And there's a subtext there about, I think, about not wasting people's time because it's so, I mean, that's the most valuable thing on the planet is our time. It's the true non-renewable resource, right? You can't make any more of it. You can make more money. You can make a lot of things, but you can't make more time. So I saw somebody, actually, it was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting, he's, he's a, a real podcast expert, and I trust his advice. But he, he posted something on Facebook today saying that he just wasted 40 minutes of his life listening to a podcast. And I thought, oh, that's probably the worst thing you can say to a podcaster. In this case, he was interested in the topic, but they didn't provide show notes. So you remember we we talked about your excellent show notes and uh, it was a, a topic that gave a list about something. He didn't, he wasn't um, specific, but um, it turned out that their list, whatever this list was, it was the same that he's heard before. He was hoping to hear something new. If they had done the show notes, he could have read through those and determined whether or not um, it was an episode that he should listen to. So, you know, these are, I mean, your what you said about, you know, making sure that you give something of real value that you're passionate about. I mean, it all comes down to and finding, you know, or deciding who you want to be a listener. By finding those right listeners, you're finding people whose time you are not wasting that want to hear what you have to say so i mean and so to that point i would say probably just refining that piece of advice even further i'd mm -hmm. say until, until you can broaden your personas of who you think you're going to listen let the persona be your persona and think about you think about your interaction with podcasts what what makes you click and you know stick into your playlist or, or listen now like what's going to drive you to listen to a podcast is it is it the title is it great show notes is it a fantastic guest um is it you've built up enough uh, credibility through prior shows that you think they're just going to listen to everything you say it doesn't matter what it is but how do you interact with the podcast platforms today and making sure that at least at least for you if you listen back to your podcast, you got value. I think if you can start there, you can build from that. Excellent advice. All right. I, we've already talked longer than I normally uh, talk on this podcast, but this has been such a great conversation. I have a couple of fun questions if you don't mind hanging on for a few more minutes. Okay. So if there was a podcast, Steve, about your life, what would it be called? Oh. <laughs> um a podcast about my life it would probably be obsessive or something along that line i i am incredibly obsessive about anything i can be blase about most things but once i get in on something i'm all in so it'd probably be called obsessive well i would listen that's a very compelling title short and sweet 
<laughs> All right. And the final question is, if you could choose anyone living or dead to have their very own podcast, who would it be? Hmm. Um, oh, you got me. You got me. Um, who do I love? Oh, to be honest, there's some people that I really like that have got their own podcast already. Like, uh, <laughs> Brand, for example, Russell Brown is fantastic. I'm so glad he's on, on podcasts. Um, oh, I would, I would love that. I guess, I guess it would be, it'd probably be someone who has passed, someone who is infinitely wise and we could learn from, such as Nelson Mandela or, hey, imagine uh. hearing Einstein talk for a, a few episodes. That could be quite interesting. Excellent, excellent choices. This is, you know, this is the fantasy podcaster. So though, those are great. I don't think I've had either of those yet. So very very good suggestions. Obviously, if Nelson Mandela had a podcaster, Einstein, um, I think their downloads would be quite impressive. <laughs> great, great suggestions. Uh, well, Steve, thank you so much. Um, we're going to have links to your show. Obviously, you can find Adaptation on Podbean, but you can also find it on any place that you listen to podcasts. Please uh, visit the website and the Facebook his Facebook group and Facebook page. You can find them all at Adaptation. It's A-D-A-P-N-A-T-I-O-N. It's adaptation.com, I believe. Is that right? It's .io, almost. Oh, that's right, .io. That's right. I knew it was something I should have. I Yeah, it's right here staring me in the face, .io. Yeah, if you are into fitness, nutrition, self-optimization, and the science behind it, definitely check it out. There's so much good stuff there. Uh, Steve, please, I hope to have you back on the show again someday. You're a fascinating podcaster to talk to. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of your experience with us. And Jennifer, thank you. I, I, wanna, I wanna just say out of the gate, you've been a great host, uh, really easy to speak with. Um, I've enjoyed it thoroughly too. So thank you for having me on, really appreciate it. And I hope this show continues to get traction because it's. I think it's value because it's it's a minefield trying to work out this stuff. And uh, the more anecdote we can get from people that are working it out, the better. So thank you. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting! <laughs>